Hello! Welcome to... Useful Idiots. I'm your co-host. Your Katie Helper. I'm Matt Taibbi, the other yeah. co-host. Right. How are you doing, Katie Helper? I'm good. Are you wearing a Useful Idiots t-shirt? I am. I'm merchifying. See, See I'm doing, my, I'm doing my, my Cam Newton thing. Again. I mean, I was going to say, you. I just confused you with Cam Newton. I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> Where who am I talking to? Am I co-hosting with Matt Taibbi or Cam Newton? We look a lot alike. Well, it was just that move, that signature move. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. The, and for yeah. and for only listeners, you should know that um, Matt is, I guess, like ta- uh, exposing his shirted chest. His I'm doing it's, it's the Superman gesture. It's Superman gesture. Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which Cam Newton does so well. Which when Cam he- Newton does so well. When he's when scoring he, a touchdown, that's his touchdown dance, right? Right, which he will. He'll, he's going to do for the Cleveland Unicorns this year. Is that true? He does that after no, because football players don't. Do they wear? What do they wear that they could do? No, that no, with? he he mimics he mimics pulling. Oh. Yeah, because he's he's Superman. Yeah, it's a thing. Super Cam. He also dabs. That's another another oh, thing wow. he does. Yeah, yeah. But I'm in kind of a bad mood. Can I just point out? So this whole pandemic thing, I'm I'm trying to look in the bright side of it, right? Like we're stuck out of civilization, right? So I'm trying to get back to nature, right? Taking that opportunity. I kind of live, at, you know, in a, in a wooded place, taking my kids out, showing them plants, stuff like that. And what happens? I get poison ivy. I was just going to guess. Don't tell me that you showed them poison ivy. I got poison ivy all over. And it's like, I, I, I am suffering like the agonies of a thousand deaths right now. It's like hard. It's a, whoever invented poison ivy just you know the dick yeah exactly eat yeah. a bag of dicks whoever whoever yeah. that is it's just eat a bag of poison ivy dicks right yeah exactly exactly all right four food groups democrats suck republicans suck isn't that weird isn't that terrible got some good stuff this week so democrats uh were very democratty this week katie yes matt uh and yeah. uh they did they pulled a classic maneuver in conjunction with republicans of course uh, in helping uh, prolong our stay in Afghanistan. Uh, Dan, if we could um, take a look at the article entitled uh, House Democrats Working with Liz Cheney Restricts Trump's Planned Withdrawal of Troops from Afghanistan and Germany. It's always great to hear Dems working with Cheney, any Cheney, yeah. So here's what, you need to, what we need to know about this piece. That, you know, Glenn has been on this much of the last week or so, and not too many other people because basically nobody cares what we do overseas anymore. So we've been in Afghanistan forever, uh, have achieved really not a whole lot there that is positive uh, and many negative things. And we're now prolonging the cycle of remaining in countries that don't want us there. Uh, again, what actually happened in this case is that the uh, U.S. Armed Services Committee, and if Dan, if we could scroll down just a little bit, uh, there was an amendment jointly sponsored by uh, Jason Crow of Colorado and Liz Cheney of Wyoming to prevent Trump from drawing the number of troops down in Afghanistan below 8,000 without a series of basically unmeetable conditions. And it passed with the, the help of a lot of Democrats so the leading Democrat who joined Cheney uh, to oppose the troop withdrawal was uh, Ruben Gallego of Arizona. And uh, then there was also Seth Moulton of Massachusetts. Uh, oh, former presidential. Former presidential candidate from a million years ago, which was really only a year ago, right? And uh, Dan, if we could see, there's, there's, a, there's a video of uh, Seth Moulton explaining his decision making on this amendment, which passed 45 to 11 
in the Armed Services Committee? Chair, I would just like to share uh, my support for this amendment as well. And I think it's important to acknowledge what's going on right now as we have this debate. We're debating this amendment because President Trump, the man who claims he wrote The Art of the Deal, is dealing in human lives with the Taliban. Now, there's been bipartisan criticism of what a weak deal he got with the Taliban, a deal that's already falling apart. But now we learn that he was making this deal at the same time as there were bounties on the heads of American troops, American sons and daughters. We clearly need more oversight over what the president is doing in Afghanistan. I'd like to see the longest war in American history come to a close as well. But I don't want to see it, to see it come to a close at the expense really? of our Just national not security. <laughs> Just not now. Or at the expense of our troops. Was it Aquinas or Augustine who said, God, give me chastity, but not now, but not yet? I don't know. That's a great quote, though. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very similar. Afghanistan, right. but not yet, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Moulton there expressing basically this, this, these news stories are a package deal. We had, we had the, the bounty story, which took everyone by storm. And frankly, if you need us to explain, or me to explain, if you're not on, on board with this, Katie, why, why uh, we shouldn't be paying attention to uh, anonymously sourced rumors that are illegally leaked from the intelligence community uh, about, uh, you know, Russia stories at this point that tend to fall apart two or three days after after they're initially released. Um, we don't really need to get into that, but let's just say that that story uh, was kind of silly on its face. Uh, they were extrapolating an entire foreign policy move here on the basis of basically somebody found a bag of money that in a, in a country whose economy is heavily driven by drug dealing. And yet, naturally, the, the, the uh, conclusion that we drew from that is that, of course, the Russians were buying the, the scalps of American troops, uh, right. paying off the Taliban to, to, to kill our folks. We don't need to get into the, to the nitty gritty of that all that much. But let's just say these, these, these stories are a match set. That leak conveniently right. comes out. Next thing you know, we're having a vote to stay in Afghanistan forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And this is an endless cycle that we've talked about before a gazillion times where the United States pattern in these countries just never ends. Because what do we do? We, we, we come into a country and because we can't use our military force to keep everybody, absolutely everybody locked down, we end up having to make a deal with one or another group in, in, the, in the country. That group inevitably is corrupt or uh, uses the American resources, money, and military power to suppress its political rivals, which creates more discontent, which creates more unrest, which prolongs the need for us to stay. And it's an endless cycle and we never, right. ever, ever leave. And everybody wins because the military contractors get paid off uh, the, uh, and, and the politicians win because they can say that they're you know, being tough on extremism or whatever it is. 
national security. Exactly. This is a classic example of sort of everything that I can't stand about both parties, frankly, but, right. but the but the Democrats, uh, mo- most of all, because and as Glenn points out, all these pro-war Dems in the House Armed Services Committee go back to their districts and talk about the NRA, LGBTs, and abortion to create a false liberal image and distract attention from what they really do in D.C. Colon, dump all taxpayer money into military contractors, lobbyists, and war. And that's that's basically what it is. Like you, if you get a face full of social issues and anti-Trump stuff and whatever else is. Hot on MSNBC that day, but when they actually go to to DC, what they what politicians do ninety nine percent of the time is reward the people who fund their 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 campaigns, and nobody makes uh, does that more directly than the people who sit in the Armed Services Committee, uh, and so this is disgusting. And it's also like one of the things that they that people really criticize Trump for is his nationalism and xenophobia, but drawing your like woke borders at the u.s border is problematic i would say anti-woke button unwoke button because you're basically saying like brown people in other countries aren't part of our of our kind of vision of justice fairness equality social justice right like if you were to include those people you would be focused on being anti-war and not on sometimes being to the right of Donald Trump when it comes to foreign policy. Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, there are a million things that people could be upset about, but but mysteriously, they're just not about certain issues. So that's yeah. interesting, too. But yeah. but this 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 is a great one for Democrats suck, because this is really very much about the party and how the party operates. Right. And, and this is the business of this party. They take yeah. money. They do they do what the people who give them the money want. And it's gross. And and uh, and meanwhile, they're talking on the other side, uh, out the other side of their mouth about issues that people profess to care about. So also, it's like, you know, if people weren't didn't have and I use this term from the left when I say Trump derangement syndrome, um, as opposed to from the right. But if people didn't have that, if people's resistance could incorporate things besides you know, talking about how Putin and Trump are boyfriends, then they'd actually be able to focus on these issues. And even if the Dems were being the typical failures, um, dumpster fires that they are, there would be some pressure from the base. But there isn't because Trump is Cheeto Mussolini. Well, right. This is like the hydroxychloroquine of foreign policy issues, right? Trump, Trump, Trump is uh, is for it, so we got to be against it right. for whatever reason. And you know, and I don't, I don't, I never particularly bought Donald Trump's sincerity uh, on on the idea that he wanted to uh, shorten our military presences right. in all these in all these countries. But if he's going to do it. You know, right. take advantage of it. You right. know, uh, and he certainly rhetorically tried to exempt, like run on that somewhat. So it also is yeah, like an absolutely. opportunity for Dems to call out. Why not call out that hypocrisy? Because they can't. Because as you said, they're doing the bidding of military contractors. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that sucks. What do, what do we have for Republicans suck this week? Oh, I just want to add one thing to that story, which is that it doesn't usually happen that quickly. Like I'm kind of impressed. It's like leaked story vote right yes Quick turnaround it's usually not quite as uh the contours are not so the contradictions are not so highlighted well i think they're tuning into the fact that uh and of course we don't know absolutely that yeah that this leak was tied to that but uh if it were 
why not? The, the, the attention span of the American news consumer is now like what, 0.35 of a second, right? So you, you, if you're, if you're going to try to affect the news cycle, you, you pretty much have to dump the stories one on top, like literally on top of each other at this point, because people are just not clued in enough to pay attention. So, so let's see, we got for Republicans suck, good old, we always got some good material with this guy. Um, and you know what, I'm really proud to be highlighting something that he does that's actually really bad. Um, and not just furthering the Cheetah Mussolini narrative. So reading from Democracy Now!, Trump administration moves to deport and bar international students if colleges go online in fall. Thousands of international students enrolled at universities in the United States could face deportation if their schools switch to online-only courses in the fall due to the coronavirus pandemic. On Monday, Immigration and Customs Enforcement issued a guidance, issued guidance stating, quote, active students currently in the United States enrolled in such programs must depart the country or take other measures such as transferring to a school with in-person instruction to remain in lawful status. ICE also said U.S. Customs and Border Protection will not permit these students to enter the United States. ICE released the guidance just hours after Harvard University announced that all classes will be online. Uh, The American Council on Education described the ICE guidance as horrifying. One million international students attend U.S. colleges and universities. I'm just confused about what the logistics of this are. Are are we saying that we want to we want to prevent people from coming back to school? who are overseas or are we are we taking people who are already here and kicking them out of the country? I believe already here. Well, that's stupid. That seems like it would increase the risk rather than decrease it. But I mean, I, it just sucks either way. If, if we're talking about a policy that's to restrict travel because it's COVID related, that would be a different thing oh, entirely. I, okay, I see what you're saying. No, but it's they could face deportation. Right. Must active students currently in the United States enrolled in such programs must depart the country. You know, I don't like to quote this person because, as you know, I have no love for her. And if she wants to come on the show, I'll explain to her why. But I, I think she's right on this. Senator Elizabeth Warren slammed the move, writing on Twitter, kicking, in, kicking international students out of the U.S. during a global pandemic because their colleges are moving classes online for physical distancing hurts students. It's senseless, cruel, and xenophobic. Yeah. That was my warrant. It's okay. I need to get better at it. No, that, I think that was good. I think that was a solid first effort. Here's the thing. Yeah, there you go. That was good. Yeah, I like I that. I stole that from my friend Nando Villa, but yeah. Yeah. She, she, there's something always kind of like, like a little frenetic about her head yeah. when she speaks. Well, I, 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 Liz Holio, of course, the famous yeah, 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 But yeah, that's yeah, pretty but, static for her, actually. Yeah. She right, does do a little, yeah. like... You know yeah, why yeah. she was trying to copy the Bernard move? Yeah, the Bernie the thing. Hands, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The physicality. The physicality. The weirdiness. Right? The, the weirdy the, physicality. The, the, the weirdy physic- physicality. Yeah. And we have that body language expert on our show. We got to have the body language expert. With I'm, I'm afraid to find out what my with what the body language expert would conclude from looking at me. That you're a liar. <laughs> That's what you conclude about Bernie because he started a sentence with "well." And laughed, and you just laughed. There you go. Right, yes. Was I looking to the left of that? All right, yeah. She didn't bring that up. She didn't bring that up. Just don't turtle. Don't turtle whatever you do. Okay, I won't turtle. Yeah, so this is, like, the world is insane at this point. Uh, It's going to change in a thousand bizarre ways, so. But imagine uh, you've built your life here in part because of education, and then you're going to face deportation unless you can go to an institution that offers in-person classes. 
Yeah, um, unless you can go to an institution that promises to uh, a less safe regime of, of attending uh, class, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, have, you have to leave uh, immediately. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That whoever, whoever drew up that policy was probably doing a little, little wake and bake, I think. I wish. All right, that was that's bad. No, I'm, I'm with you. Republicans suck on that one. Uh, for isn't that weird? I just got a picture. It's flying sharks. Oh my god. <laughs> what? That's not real. That's not real. We can't vouch for the ra- the the reality of this this uh, thing how at all. How big but is I, that shark and how big is that bird? I don't know, but I love it. I just want that to happen more. Yeah, so it's a it's a eagle like bird flying ridiculously high with a with a an immobilized shark in its talons, <laughs> and uh, and it's just a it's a beautiful picture and it's weird. So that's pretty much pretty much the extent of of the feature. I mean. Th- that's weird, right, Kitty? I mean, it, I kind of like it because, as you all know, my feelings about sharks. But again, I almost feel like that harms the anti-shark movement because it makes the shark look like the victim. <laughs> and I don't like that. The shark lobby is so strong. That's right. They're so effective at, at selling the shark as victim narrative. You have, you have to relentlessly attack the counter-revolutionary uh, spirit that's even inside yourself. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the, the visible enemy and the invisible enemy yeah, within. I, exactly. I really have to do the work. <laughs> you got to do the work. So for Isn't That Terrible, we have a really, really terrible story that is extremely upsetting to look at. Um, reading at BBC, supermarket snub coconut goods picked by monkeys. The terrible part is that and so a number of supermarkets have removed some coconut water and oil from their shelves after it emerged the products were made with fruit picked by monkeys. Now, I don't mind fruit picked by monkeys. That sounds kind of fun and cute and adorable, really good gift material. The problem is they were treated like coconut picking machines and there's awful images of them are chained. Oh my God, there's a terrible one of a monkey chained like around the neck there's a thing around the neck and then the chain goes down i don't even want to describe it because it's so terrible he's, he's but. sitting on a tire it looks it looks like a uh, like a domier painting or, or a sketch or something like so that so terrible Peta said that they were told the monkeys would have their canine teeth pulled out uh, if they try to bite handlers i want to go i want to fight in the resistance i want to join these monkeys and i want to tase these people who are making them work mm. uh these curious, highly intelligent animals are denied psychological stimulation, c- companionship, freedom, and everything else that would make their lives worth living. Also, they can be used to gather coconuts, said PETA director Elisa Allen. PETA is calling on decent people never to support the use of monkey labor by shunning coconut products from Thailand. But what are they going to do with these unemployed monkeys now? That's what I'm, I was thinking. I'm, I'm kind of I'm on the fence about this. No, we Especially need since it says that monkeys can pick a thousand coconuts a day and people can only pick 80. So I, I think in, in, right. the, in, the, in the marketplace of labor, you know, the, if the monkeys are... We need to um, organize them, though. That's what we need to do. We need to organize the, the, their rights. Internationally, International League Federation of, of Monkeys. Yeah. Or yeah. The, the IFOM. Yes. But I want someone to take care of the monkeys. I guess the idea is if they're not chained up and picking thousands of coconuts a day, they can just play frolic around. Those monkeys do look sad, though. The, the chains it's seem so unnecessary. Sad. 
So yeah. um, is, do we have anything else for Isn't That Terrible this week? Uh, that's all I got. Okay. All right. So should we move on to talking about the the issues of the, the day? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. So I wanted to introduce a new segment called um, Resistance Karens. And this was inspired by a tweet uh, that was getting some attention. The tweet was by Deborah Messing, who uh, is known basically for Will and Grace, where she should have remained instead of becoming a voice of pseudo resistance or the mic resistance. So um, people were upset because uh, Kanye West announced that he was running for president. Um, and someone named Ricky Davila, Davila, uh, a singer, tweeted, to be clear, Kanye West is a red hat wearing MAGA lunatic. So if he's wanting to run for the presidency, it's probably a plan between Trump and Kanye to strip whatever support they can away from Biden at a la- as a last ditch effort. That's what I believe. And then um, political science, amateur political scientist Deborah Messing weighs in. Absolutely. He's playing Jill Stein. He's trying to take UG black voters from Biden. It's disgusting. Um, and then to this, Nina Turner, friend of show Nina Turner, responded, black voters are not owned by anyone. Our vote should be earned every election cycle. We can think for ourselves and don't need your help. Sometimes it's best to stay out of family business. And then Deborah Messing tweets back. Oh, please, Nina. Sorry, it's all the please is all caps. Kanye is a avowed Trump supporter. Trump's numbers. Avowed. Yeah, exactly. And you'll see why that's especially rich coming coming now. In a second, Trump's numbers have plummeted. Trump doubles down on his racist platform at Mount Rushmore. And 100 days before election, Kanye is going to announce now. I thought you were smarter than then, Nina. Then, then. <laughs> yeah. So, so I just want to go over in her in her claim that she thought Nina uh, Turner were smarter than that. She says Kanye is a avowed Trump supporter, and I thought you were smarter than then. Um, but the really the, the really thing the cool thing is what she talks when she mentions Stacey Abrams down here, right? So then she says Biden swept the AA vote in the South. Kanye has millions of young AA fans. It's not racist to say that Kanye can take Biden-leaning voters from him. It's numbers, statistics. If you want to use this to grab your spotlight, by all means. If you really care about the AA community having their vote counted, I'll have Stacey Abrams call you when I speak with her this week. That's outstanding. It's outstanding on like 19 different levels. It's outstanding, right? It's great. She drops the sum of my best friends are black politicians with whom I speak uh, and will have call you. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, I've been told not to, not to go anywhere near the Karen, the word, the, the Karen word, but um, this is Karening, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's better than Karening. It's actually, it's Mick resistance Karening. It's Mick resistance Karening. Yeah. And it's the best it's kind. It's like Karening while pretending to be a woke ally who's going to white explain uh, the numbers and statistics don't pretend that you're you thought someone was smarter than they are and then use uh mess up grammar and yeah the all caps the uh i'm gonna explain this stuff to you it's just really gross she needs to like have some humility slash a you know what she needs she needs to read white fragility and find a friend who's good at cross-racial discussions and she needs a friend who's an expert a white friend who's an expert in cross-racial dynamics yeah cross-racial dynamics yeah (laughs) In fact, you know what? I think um, we could be that friend. Oh, no, we're not. We're not experts in in, in cross racial dynamics. Do we know anybody who is? I think Robin D'Angelo could do it. She could. Do you think we could put them together? 
Yeah. So Robin, Robin would tell you if I, I don't mean to speak for Robin, I don't mean to deny her agency or silence her or, or take away her voice. But or invisibilize her. Invisibilize her. But she could would probably tell Deborah um, that she could call Nina Turner and request request permission to repair the racism she perpetuated. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, there, there's a there's a lot to unpack there. She's she's got a lot of a lot of atoning. To do. Uh, she, she, she well, she do really just, does. Just, just, just for this. The problem is, it's more than a twenty. I mean, I mean like, what yeah. has to go through your mind to go to go on Twitter and to tell some to tell Nina, Nina Turner that she's going to have Stacey Abrams call her oh to to like yeah. remind her how to what be black or whatever the hell. Like, yeah, you have to be so high. She is so entitled, this woman. Uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Sure. Do you want to talk about that letter? Do we have time? Yeah, let's talk about the letter. So this this segment should be called "Letter Everyone Is Wigging About." So, uh, Katie, how would you describe this letter? Well, this is a letter that was written. I guess it, it and it's the the goal of it is to cancel cancel culture, if you will. Is that well said? It. Well, and it's never messing. And it, it was sort of organized by, uh, I think, future friend of show, Thomas Chatterton Williams, and um, it was published in Harper's. And essentially, and it had, has such signatories as Margaret Atwood and uh, Noam Chomsky, and it encourages people to no longer cancel each other. Uh, some of the lines in here that I, I thought were the most interesting are, um, you know, the way to a feat to defeat bad ideas is by exposure, argument, and persuasion, not by trying to silence them. Uh, we refuse any false choice between justice and freedom, which cannot exist without each other. Uh, as writers, we need a culture that leaves us room for experimentation, risk-taking, even mistakes. We need to preserve the possibility of good faith disagreement without dire professional consequences. So uh, this, this happened in the wake of obviously a series of cancellation incidents. Probably the most high profile this week was the, the attempt to take out of Steven Pinker, which was hilarious on like 19 different levels. It didn't, didn't work. But, um, but a lot of people uh, were, have been upset about this, so they signed this letter. And it immediately drew consternation from across woke Twitter. Uh, and there were, there were some specifically amusing responses to, the, first of all, some people pulled out, uh, at least one person pulled out because they were worried once they saw who else had signed the letter. There, there was just an incredible amount of wigging about this letter, uh, which really says, I think, some pretty uncontroversial things, uh, although I guess not. Right. I guess that's that's kind of the, the lesson of this whole episode. I think that the people who are, are attacking this letter are really playing themselves, punking themselves. I think that uh, there are very shitty people who signed this letter and democracy should be called out, no doubt. But I think seeding this argument and kind of guilt by association and you signed a letter that was signed by people I don't like is a pretty bad argument and it kind of is a parody of what this letter is actually exactly. uh, calling out yeah yeah uh, what what this letter says and let me let, let's let's go back to the line that i just said as writers we need a culture that leaves us room for experimentation risk taking even mistakes we need to pr preserve the possibility of good faith disagreement 
which, <laughs> which, and the response to this has been, oh, I can't sign a letter that, that also is signed by people who, whose opinions I don't always agree with. So, so basically, this is a letter that's against intellectual monoculture, and the response is, is I can't sign it unless it endorses intellectual monoculture. It's, it's like a catch-22. Yeah. It's hilarious. There are two issues. One is if you actually oppose, um, and there is a tendency to say cancellation culture doesn't exist slash it's good. That's like a very stupid argument that we've seen a lot, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and that's bad. That's a bad, bad take. I think that there are two issues. One, you can disagree with the content of this letter, or you can point out that some of the people who signed this letter are hypocrites. But if you don't disagree with the content of this letter, pointing out that some of these people are hypocrites does not change the content of the letter. Right. If Again, any, yeah. it, 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 it speaks to the how people have been raised you know, intellectually in the last generation, if you think that signing a letter that is also signed by people with whom you've disagreed about important things in the past, that that somehow devalues your own statement in terms of the letter. In other words, you're, you're looking at the letter. If you agree with it, you sign it. There's not, that doesn't matter who else signs it. Uh, it shouldn't matter. Uh, but in, in, in the intellectual culture that people have grown up in, who else is on your team and who the team is, is now more important than the actual message for a lot of people. Right. Uh, and this, right. and this is a very anodyne, you know, very vague uh, letter that doesn't really get into any specific issues at all. It just says, right. we, we think people shouldn't be fired or, or shamed for having, for having different ideas. And if you want to debate the content of that, that mission, whatever, that's one thing, then debate it. But don't say because a certain person signed it, the points in it are not valid. It's a completely predictable response, though, because because, again, right. this is a culture of people who have grown up with the idea that we all must agree with each other about everything. So so it's it's the same. It's the same reasoning that says that we shouldn't go on certain news programs if, if they're hosted by somebody who has opinions right. that I disagree with sometimes. Right. The, the, the normal state of being in. Media culture, well, not, not the normal state. Once upon a time, you know, in intellectual life and media life, it was considered normal and healthy for all of us to disagree with one another uh, about lots yeah. of things. And now, you know, we saw this when, uh, when James Risen was hired by The Intercept. Remember that? And people were like, God, that's so, how, how can they do that? They're going to have Glenn Greenwald and Risen in the same organization. That right. doesn't make any sense. Well, the whole point is to have people who don't agree with about big issues like Russiagate under the same roof, right? That's, that's the idea, you know? And, and, but for, for a lot of people, that's, that's not the way they want to look at things. They, they, they want everybody to agree with everybody else. I think I disagree with you though, because I do think some of these people should be canceled. They, sh they should be canceled because they're cancel hypocrites or they need to recant. Repent. Okay, so if, if there are people on there who have tried to get other people yeah. fired before, then then yeah, that's that's fine. We we can talk about that, and I think oh we know God, who we're great. talking about. Let's just let's just make it very clear. I am completely against ever, I, and I, I have never done this in my entire life. Call for anybody to be fired. Um, I think right. it's I think it's actually a uniquely sort of evil 
uh, thing for to try to deprive somebody of their livelihood. Um, and I, I, it's it, it's incredible to, incredible to me that people are so casual about it these days. And so I I am totally against that. I, I don't even like to joke about that. So that that's where my reaction to to you saying that. I look, I get that you don't like people like. Well, luckily that, I do like to joke about that. I know you, I, yeah. But I mean, there. Look, one of the people who signed this letter is Katha Pollitt, who like tried to ruin my career, and I would have, I would gladly have signed the letter with her, you know. So, yeah. so that does suck. If you're, if you're, if you're a person who indulges in this kind of behavior, and then suddenly you're signing this letter, right. like, okay, yeah, fuck you. That 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 does yeah. suck. But I'm willing to overlook that for for the for the time being because you know I think at this particular moment there are so many people now who who are under attack uh, at work for various reasons um, that it, it's, it's a good thing for a whole bunch of people to, to kind of put their foot down and say, okay, enough, enough of this. I don't think it's going right. to work, frankly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, I, I think it's a good thing. But it's, 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 ama- it's amazing. It's, it's a, it's, I still think it's amazing, the reaction to this. You know, we were talking about, uh, so Jennifer Finney Boylan signed the letter and then uh, changed her mind. I, I did not know who else had signed the letter. I thought I was endorsing a well-meaning, if vague message against internet shaming. I did know uh, Chomsky, Steinem, and Atwood were in, and I thought, good company. The consequences are mine to bear. I am so sorry. Uh, to which Malcolm Gladwell replied, I signed the Harper's letter because there were lots of people who also signed the Harper's letter whose views I disagreed with. I thought that was the point of the Harper's letter. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, right? Like This is why I'm also very mad at the, at the, the people who are responding to this uh, letter negatively because I don't want to have, I don't want to have to point to Malcolm Gladwell tweets. I think a lot of the leftists who are criticizing this letter Instead of saying it's a bad idea or the content is bad um, or it's bad by association of signers, we should be like, yeah, we actually agree with this. And this is not just an issue that David Frum gets to talk about because he's a war criminal, which he is (laughs) and has blood on his hands. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see where this goes, because obviously we're in the middle of kind of the golden age of canceling like you have to look check twitter every two seconds to see who's been canceled uh and so what's your bet do you think it's going to be slowed or or uh, expedited the rate of canceling by next week i'm not sure it's a good question i I just think we can do both we can call out the hypocrites or if you want matt we can call them in (sighs) that may make you feel more comfortable i just hate i just I, I hate this this thing that we have in, in modern, you know, internet culture where any list of people immediately uh, invites like, oh, this person sucks and that person's bad and this person's right. bad and that person, like, can we, can we get away from the idea that people are bad? Sometimes they have bad ideas, uh, you know, For and some, we have ideas. David Frum is bad though and Barry Weiss is bad. Okay. They're bad people. You know, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's necessary to think that way. I think we have a disagreement about that. I like it's a it's a peculiarly like sort of modern way of thinking that like people are either A or B, and you know the I, I just don't think that way. Well, do you think that there are people who are just bad? Well, I think there are people who are like serial killers, right? Who are so sociopaths and can't be can't be cured, and they're probably beyond help. But beyond that, I don't really think that way. No. What about Dick Cheney? I think it's a mania with modern internet culture to, to just 
you know, be like, this person sucks and that person's bad and this person's bad. Can we just not, you know? Yeah, I agree to some extent, but behind closed doors, would you not call Dick Cheney an asshole? How about behind closed doors? I don't think about it. I'm not suggesting you spend your life that way. I'm just wondering if you do. You, I mean, cause, especially because you would uh, go after people a lot, but you're just saying you're going after their ideas, not them as people. Thomas Friedman. Thomas Friedman, I think, is hilarious. Oh, okay. I mean, he's he's written some terrible things, and I pick on him, you know, a lot. But you know, I I wouldn't want to throw him in a wood chipper. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the difference. There's there's like a this visceral hatred that people indulge in now. Like, yeah, I think some people suck, but I. I can't be 100% sure. I wouldn't want to be pulling the switch on them. You know what I'm saying? Because who knows? This, this is a reverse of the usual dynamic on the show. You, usually you say something and I, and I retreat and seethe. Uh, but right. this, 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 this time it's the other way around. Right. No, are you, you're not for the death penalty either. Uh, no, I'm not. I definitely don't think these people should be sentenced to death at all. Nor do I think that they should face, I just, I do think, look, I want to put that out there, guys. I'm not calling on useful idiots, listeners or viewers to do anything. Maybe to Pod Save America, maybe to the Axe Files. <laughs> okay, in this, lim- in, this, in this limited circumstance, I can, I can be down with this point See, of view. I knew yeah. we could find a point of agreement. I knew it. Right. Um, yeah. Somebody we can hate together. All right, so we have a, do you want to tell, tell everybody about our guest this week? Uh, really excited. Have a really great guests on today's show. Not just one guest, but two. Uh, we have Liz Franzik and Brace Belden, who are the co-hosts of the True and On podcast, which is a Jeffrey Epstein-focused podcast. And we're going to talk to them about the latest and um, really more more uh, directly, Ghislaine Maxwell, because we got some updates on her. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hear what they have to say. Great. We are so excited to welcome our two guests. Not one, but two guests. Liz Franzek and Race Belden, who are the co-hosts of the True and On podcast. Welcome. Hello. Thanks, I just thanks so much for having us. Obviously, huge news with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell being arrested. The FBI has arrested Ghislaine Maxwell, a British socialite who's accused of luring girls to be sexually abused by convicted predator and sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. Maxwell is scheduled to appear in a New York court this week and could face up to 35 years behind bars. Epstein died from an apparent suicide last August in his jail cell. Maxwell has also previously been accused of sexually assaulting girls along with Epstein. We're going to have to ask you to just summarize the entire case. (laughs) for for people who haven't haven't been following up to this point. But I I guess the weirdest detail for me is what was she doing in New Hampshire? First of all, where where exactly in New Hampshire was she? And how come they didn't catch her until now? Like, how is that even possible in modern America? Well, I think from, I mean, just to answer this question. So she was Mm -hmm. in a small town in New Hampshire, uh, Bradford, New Hampshire, which she actually has like no ties to, but she did buy a house um, in in the indictment. They kind of go through. She bought a house through a well anonymized LLC that she set up in December of last year. And there had been a couple um, kind of like little leaks in the press over the past year, basically suggesting that the FBI had 
been had had been in contact with her or knew where she was was always like aware of her location so i don't think this was like some kind of manhunt situation where they were right. just like oh shit you're just on a farm in new yeah, hampshire yeah, yeah. new but actually like um you know they had been kind of watching and waiting and we can kind of get into probably a little bit later like perhaps why this arrest happened now and i think there's maybe some things to talk about there but um i think it's um pretty clear that they the fbi like pretty much knew where she was and it sounds like she has been kind of hopping around new england maybe left the country once or twice but hopping around new england for the past year uh, you know as one does i suppose sure I so uh, you mentioned why why now potentially right i mean is, isn't the isn't the big conservative pipe dream that this is a a last trumpian gasp to get the clintons before <laughs> before perhaps the you know the show ends in november or what's what's the theory there in terms of the timing so it's it is kind of funny that it this arrest came almost a year about 4 days i think shy of a year from epstein's arrest in mm. 2019 and I, I don't know. I, I think that like there, there's a kind of a lot of theories about why they did it right, right right now. But you know, some recent stuff that happened is the the U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York, uh, a guy named Berman, his ass uh, gets fucking booted out of office basically by Bill Barr. It was kind of it was in the news a lot lately. Big splash about it or whatever. Um, B- Bill Barr kicked him out of office. He was unaware of the fact uh, when it happened put out some statement and then within the next couple of days, they figure out a way to remove him. I think by having Trump do it himself, which I guess he is the authority, even if Bill Barr likes it. They, there was some sort of controversy over who they would replace him with. Uh, it was, they wanted to replace him with the head of the SEC, I think, right? Mm, yeah. That storied um, uh, famous hardworking institution that hasn't Jake been Arnie, absolutely, yeah. yeah, completely gutted <laughs> and totally useless in its current form. <laughs> but he is actually replaced by his deputy, a woman named Strauss, who, uh, funnily enough, Berman, Strauss, Bill Barr had all worked on separate sides of the uh, Iran-Contra investigation uh, before. So these people all know each other. Um, it is very interesting that this arrest comes two weeks after Berman is kicked out of office. I don't know if it's like a Southern District of New York kind of getting revenge for their fallen boss or whatever, but uh, I, I think that's like a really notable um, sort of fact in this whole thing. Okay. Yeah, I think that context is important. And like Brace said, there's, you know, you could read it as maybe the staffers like trying to stick it to you know, the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, You know, it's funny, you mentioned the Clinton thing with the, you know, cute people saying, oh, this is Trump finally, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, finally bringing the cabal down or whatever. And so it's like, this case kind of has like stuff for both sides. It's like the resistance people could get to kind of be like, look at it. Ooh, like bad, the bad boys at the Southern District of New York are going after, you know, the AG's office, going after Trump in retaliation, resistance, resistance. And then the Q people, you know, I mean, it's such a little like, perfect summation of our like insanely polarized times it's like the cute people get to say no no actually they're going to Ghislaine is going to rat on the clinton crimes 
family and Hillary will be deposed and Obama will be deposed and we will free all the children or whatever, you know, their, <laughs> yeah, yeah, their yeah. like insane theories the are. people. So, yeah. And I think like, um, you know, all that stuff is fun or whatever. I think what will be interesting to see is like, first of all, I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. We haven't seen a photo or video of Ghislaine in custody. I would like to see that. <laughs> I would right. really, really like yeah. to see that. Mm-hmm. There's like there's rumors that maybe she was on maybe she was this British voice that was on a court call. But outside of that, we I, I haven't seen any like actual visual confirmation of this. Yeah. I'm not suggesting it's fake, but I just would like to see it. She's in right. prisoner databases now, but yeah, no no mugshot. And this is why I'm starting the the movement release hashtag release the mugshot, um, which <laughs> I've been given a couple hundred million dollars from various NGOs to to sort of. Push. I mean, there, there should be a live cam on her in her cell. Yes, yes. Yeah, live stream on Twitch. Let's put right. this on Twitch. Absolutely. The cameras that they put, they have a lot, right? From the Epstein's. I mean, the two of them would have a lot left over. A lot of live cameras that they would. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I think that would be like if you put that on on just basic cable, that would probably outperform like significantly a whole bunch of channels that are on there right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would decimate Hannity. <laughs> I think it would take on Tucker. Oh, I think we sure. could take on yeah. Tucker with that live stream. Well, the nice thing about this is that um, both uh, Trump and Bill Clinton were chums with uh, Epstein, right? So mm-hmm. it also speaks to the bipartisan, postpartisan nature of um, pedophilia. Sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sex yeah. trafficking, basically, right? I mean, th- that's been really a surreal thing to watch during this whole sort of basically year since Epstein was arrested. Um, is you have like these resistance people being like, well, this is going to take Trump down because Trump was friends with Epstein. Like, look at this picture of Trump and Epstein together when it's like, yeah, Trump was friends with Epstein and Ghislaine, but uh, Chelsea Clinton went on a fucking yacht vacation with, with Ghislaine Maxwell and her husband uh, or her boyfriend at the time. Uh, You know, this, these, that's not how it works. Like, I mean, Clinton invited uh, or Trump, excuse me, invited Clinton to his wedding. Like, it's not like, this isn't so absurd. Um, Bill Clinton pushed Trump to run for president. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, these are old buddies. Plus, they're like time. both notorious, uh, I don't want to say sex freaks, because there's possibly a positive connotation to that, uh, but sex psychos. And so this is totally <laughs> within the realm of possibility for these uh, uh, depraved lunatics. Right, yeah. No, this is a story kind of... It's exactly the kind of story that the, the, the national media doesn't like because it doesn't know how to sell it, right? It's mm-hmm. not, yeah. It's not. Uh, you can't categorize it as a partisan thing in one direction or another. It's just gross in all directions. For sure. How, how do you market that on 60 Minutes or, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Well, and it would just implicate all their bosses. Right. Like, they yeah. all have their own ties to all these sorts of things. I mean, that's what's so funny, too, is that it's like you have a story... And I think that's part of like what the project of our podcast is, but it's like you have a story that's so, like you say, so perfectly encapsulates and implicates both sides of the ruling class, if we can call it that. And and yet you have, you know, these both sort of like polarized sides, like team blue, team red, whatever, pulling out what they want for their own purposes and and refusing to 
to kind of understand or see or even admit that this you know, crosses both, that this actually encapsulates everyone. Like you'd think that the resistance people would be smart enough or aware enough not to try to use this against Trump because that would lead to Bill Clinton, but they're somehow not. Well, but yeah, that's the reason it never, psychological, yeah. it never came up in 2016, really. You know, uh, the, they, they picked the, the Democrats, picked the one person to run against Trump who couldn't bring up Epstein. Right. Uh, right. And yeah. Yeah. Well, or like anything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like, yeah. <laughs> or the, right. I mean, and Trump brilliantly brought Juanita Broderick to that debate right yeah. after the grab by the pussy tape came out, which totally hamstrung Hillary Clinton. Like, Joe Biden should yeah, bring I Ghislaine mean, Maxwell you know. to the debate. <laughs> she yeah. could still be a running mate, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's time for a woman Learned in the White House. Team, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She's a, Jew, a Jewess. We haven't True. had that. Before. We finally get some representation. We can come out from behind the curtain, baby. And <laughs> totally, yeah. Isn't this this is a terrible moment for Jews? I mean, I'm just yeah. gonna say it. I don't know how you are dealing with this. Not um, good for the Jews. Not good for the Jews, right? No. I, I will say it is difficult um to I, I I see people sometimes come to the conclusion that there is perhaps a Jewish pedophile conspiracy, which is, of course, a longtime canard of anti-Semites, which, to be clear, there is a pedophile conspiracy. Unfortunately, a lot of Jews are involved, but it's not just us. There's right. a lot of okay. other it's guys melting, doing it, too. It's a melting pot. It's a total exactly. melting pot. I yeah. mean, come yeah. on. It, come on, yeah. You know, Ghislaine's also uh, French, you know. Yeah, it's true. Not that like is it true. would be yeah. the first French pedophile conspiracy. Yeah. Also, the did you have guys... a lot to answer for? That's true. A little Dreyfusian, <laughs> Dreyfusian comeback. Yes. Um, did you? Uh, I don't know if you talked about this ever on your podcast. Uh, by the way, I loved your your episode on Gilan. I love your reading her uh, the real estate description of the place she's been yeah, hiding yeah, out yeah, in. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I didn't know this, but uh, so I should I should reveal something to you guys that I did graduate from Dalton from the Dalton school. Did not. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's one of the most confounding things about the whole Epstein thing is the person who brought Epstein basically into his life as Jeffrey Epstein was William Barr's father. And so you have this sort of it's almost like an arch there. You have at the beginning Donald Barr, the headmaster of the Dalton school who in his last year gets Epstein, who has no college degree, in fact, dropped out twice to work teaching math and science, I think. Uh, From that, of course, Epstein starts his trajectory up towards, you know, he goes to Bear Stearns, he goes and starts his own business, he meets Wexner, etc. And then, of course, you have his, uh, well, rather, it's not a great arch because it's sort of a long trajectory upwards and then a very sharp drop um (laughs) then you have the end of his life the man who is sort of like uh let's say nailing the nails in the coffin is is donald barr's son and so you have it's like it's like a circle Mm. at very it's it's very interesting to me and also what an astounding coincidence can you like it's amazing i know can you believe it and also can you believe it because since donald barr was of course an ex-oss member yes yeah, which is, yeah, Office of Strategic Hurry. Services, yeah. Right, that's that's a little confusing. Yeah. So what's, the, what's is there a, a new, uh, more most recent theory on uh, Epstein's death? 
Yeah, I know you guys said on your podcast that you don't think Gillen is going to be killed, right? Uh, any updates on that? You committed to that theory? And yeah, are there Vegas killed? odds on that? <laughs> I bet. I bet there's like I, a I guarantee there's odds. You can, I'm we sure should look you into can, that. I'm actually. sure you could bet. Actually, yeah, I bet it's like seven to two. Right? I wonder if we could like. like I'm going to bet against it. Actually, people to like short the market. <laughs> yeah, what's what's the deal? I mean, uh, do do you, what's your theory right now on? on Epstein's death at this point? Or what's the most salient theory? Well, I think it's obvious, which is like, I don't think he killed himself. Right. Um, but whether that was like coerced, whether it was like physically someone was there, whether there's like a cellmate that, you know, did something that I have no idea about. But the idea that like he just, you know, decided that this was the end of the line immediately and over. I don't buy it. Yeah, I, I'm mostly on that tip too. I think for me, I have like a 10% higher threshold for I think he might have, there is a chance I think he could kill himself. Um, I, however, if he did do it, like basically on his own, I guess you would call it, uh, I do think he was assisted in some way. Um, mm. But I do also think, mostly think that that this was either coerced or someone else did it for him. I think the thing is, a lot of focus people focus on like, well, we got to figure out who killed him, like the actual person that helped him do it. But like the kind of people who would kill Epstein, um, I don't think it would like if we caught somebody, it would just be some random guy, right? Like right. it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be like uh, Huma Abedin or whatever, or like you know. Um, that would be very funny Steve though. Bannon's fat ass <laughs> crawling in there like a slug. I mean, first of all, I don't think we're ever probably going to find out, or at least not for a long time, exactly what happened there. Um, but at least from a source that that I would consider credible. Um, but but to some extent, like it doesn't really. I I don't think it would really clear much up, even if we had like a video or whatever. But um, I don't. The reason I keep saying I don't think Gillian, that's going to happen to Gillian, but I mean, you really don't know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess the one thing I'll say that's interesting, and I think some um, I can't remember who, someone else brought this up, but just that, um, you know, like the, the fact that her charges aren't actually like assault charges, they're charges huh. that are, that she uh, basically procured women, young girls, underage women uh, for Epstein to assault which is like a different thing. And the timeline, I mean, it's really just specifically between 1994 and 1997, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like, it's like very specific. It's like, there's like a couple of things there where it's like, okay, are they honing in on this like very specific time at the very specific charge? Because that's really, they can all, they can only nail her on. Or was this something that was worked out ahead of time? That's, maybe a bit softer than them going after something much harder or more, you know, like for example, assault charges. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Well, I, I, I thought the indictment was discouraging in that, in that sense, because there's no unindicted co-conspirators right. through yeah. L right. And so the, the charge is pretty limited to, her own behavior and the behavior of somebody who's already dead. Mm -hmm. And so there's not, 
you know, there's not this massive opportunity for her to, to testify against all sorts of other interesting people. Um, doesn't seem on, on the face of it anyway. Am I right about that? Right. Uh, or? No, I think that's correct. And I wonder if, again, it's like, I wonder if the office did that because of the insane plea deal that Epstein had and trying to basically get around what was basically blanket immunity for any unnamed co-conspirators in yeah. the past and or future, mm. which is like the most insane. Incredible. Like, it, yeah, just a totally incredible deal. Um, and, and I wonder if there were, they, they were trying to get around something like that. That would be the charitable reading. That's, that's actually kind of what I think is, is, you know, famously Epstein's plea deal included uh, a federal immunity for a bunch of people who were not named, but can, Clearly, one of them is Galay Maxwell. Um, and so I think that may be, first of all, why they didn't pursue some of the sex charges. Um, mm. But also, I think it might be easier to prove that she uh, that she trafficked in these girls. I mean, the sentences for these crimes are not like 25 to life or whatever. But certainly, if she's charged, I mean, she's charged, with, I think, with three, three different crimes that are basically the same thing, which is basically trafficking. I think all of those carry a sentence of like maybe 10 years. Um, obviously sentencing is a complicated issue and that doesn't necessarily mean she'll right. get that. But I think that um, these, first of all, will be easier to prove. Certainly the perjury charges that she's, that she's got hit with will be easy to prove because uh, if you look at like what they're saying she lied about, it's uh, the, the prosecutor asking her, are you aware of Jeffrey Epstein like having sex with young girls and her saying, no, I am not, which is wrong. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I basically, in essence, like agree with Liz there. I just think that like the, the, the 94 to 97 thing seems to be really pointed that mm. they're sp focusing on a specific number of, of incidents in girls that they, I think can prove. Um, happen because you know with stuff like this, it's t you, it's notoriously hard in rape cases to 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 get physical evidence or anything like that. I mean, this one probably much less so, considering especially that the uh, the FBI uh, is in possession of uh, stacks of DVDs uh, from recorded from Epstein's right. house. But but which I don't uh, know. Dershowitz is not in right. That's what he says. Yeah, he says he's Alan not. Dershowitz is not in those videos, so he did, clearly is not involved. But like, yeah, the Dershowitz thing is is really baffling to me because he said the other day that he hopes that there's videos, uh, which this okay. like classic thing. This is what he always does. He's like, yeah. oh, I hope yeah. there's information out there that implicates me. Then information comes out that implicates him, and he's like, well, I hope there's more. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah. like, right. and, God, that. I dude, think man. I don't think he, the man is the man is uh, a bit duller than I think he has been throughout his life. He's never been yeah. particularly nimble uh, socially, let's say. But um, yes, I, I think right. he's he's. I mean, he's he's a fucking loser. Yeah. So there are odds on on uh, on her uh, testimony, and, uh -huh. and, and it, it, it's six to the five that she will testify. But there are odds on oh, who she's going to testify against. Mm. And Der Dershowitz is the uh, the f the fourth most likely. Who's the, uh, who's the uh, third? Uh, Prince Andrew is uh, four yeah. to one. Mm -hmm. Ehud Barak is uh, two and a half to one. Glenn Inshallah. Dubin. 
Larry Summers, six to one. Larry Another. Summers, like yeah. that one. That Over would be it. pretty I hilarious because I know, was pretty sure Biden was going to tap Summers. For well, yeah. something. Yeah, with some, the, uh, Summers with the, the Prince Andrew thing, I don't think a lot of people have sort of realized how big a deal that would be if the FBI mm. arrested a member of the British royal family. Considering awesome. that like... His mother does have like an actual, I mean, if if mostly ceremonial role in the state there as head of yeah, state. Totally. Um, I think that would be, that would, I don't know. I can't think of anything like that happening. I mean, certainly the last big royal sex uh, kerfluffle I can think of was when I believe a Saudi prince had a slave in Beverly Hills and she escaped, but that prince was just allowed to leave the country. As far as I remember, he might slightly circum I don't not exactly sure the circumstances of him leaving, but he left. They didn't arrest him. And so I can't imagine that would happen with Andrew. Yeah, I really do not think that the United States is going to be arresting Prince Andrew. I mean I just think that that would be I'm imagining the diplomatic call that would the courtesy call that would happen between like fucking Trump and Trump's office and fucking bojo it's like Whoa. this is not happening what if they what if it's they not did, happening what if they did a fucking prisoner swap what if they did a prisoner swap for that fucking Andrew ambassador's wife? <laughs> no for that ambassador's wife who fucking killed that guy and then fled the country the american ambassador mm. he was like a diplomatic employee's wife i don't know if you guys know about this a uh, uh, I, don't. It, I don't know he was a diplomatic officer in britain his wife was uh had a couple too many points at the uh, local pub Barino and uh, nice. fucking killed somebody uh, <laughs> like dead with her car, fled the scene uh, and flees the country with her husband. It's kind of like hushed up by the embassy and Trump's idea, like it would cause a pretty big diplomatic row because the U S wouldn't repatriate her to face charges or anything. Mm. The guy's family is like crying on TV. They're fucking heartbroken. Their 19 year old son yeah, is dead. Is I vaguely remember this. I think like last year, uh, yeah. Trump yeah, invites yeah. them to the white house. And his idea is to have the ambassador's wife in the next room, not tell the family, be talking to the family, giving their condolences and then be like, Open the door. Let's melt. Let's all make up. Incredible. That's because money. Trump is actually a big proponent of restorative justice. Yes. And so he was trying to pioneer a new sort of, you know, justice system here. It's, it's funny. The family the was like horrified at this. They're like, oh, what are you? Yeah, no shit. Like, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I like the reality show concept of Prince Andrew going through the United States criminal justice system. Oh, oh, it'd be incredible. Yeah. Right? I just mean, I just don't, I, I mean, I would love to see it. I would, I would I believe would me, there's nothing I would love more right? than the... See him all tatted up family. and everything, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He comes out he and he's got like... Nazi <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> playing basketball in the yard and all that stuff. Uh -huh. He's just God. immediately killed by Black Gorilla family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> getting drunk on pruno every night yeah yeah you know? yeah, yeah yeah that would be great uh yeah so who, who else who and else is at, at risk in this whole situation do they have odds on her dying by the way on her being killed matt uh let's see i'm looking oh yeah let me let me mention that real quick so my theory is that she's not gonna die uh because that would i mean i'm not ruling that out but i don't think that's what's gonna happen i think that you know how weinstein started the trial like being able to walk and like uh, talk and stuff like that and he ended his trial like dying in a coma or whatever or, you know <laughs> right. 
whatever was wrong with him or whatever. He just like had that incredible like pancake makeup on even more every time where he looked like paler and paler. Um, but, uh, but my theory on, on what's going to happen to her is she is either going to get sick. I maybe with COVID, but probably with something else or have like, uh, you know, a mental breakdown or something. She'll be really drugged up, unable to testify, or they will literally make her like a drooling moron, Jolly Wet stuff. Mm. I mean, look what happened to Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby gets arrested. He's fucking able to talk pretty normal. By like the time he's like really testifying, I mean, the man is a drooling idiot. Right. Not ruling that out to happen here. Yeah. Yeah, there was like an interesting item in the post today, I think it was this morning, where um, it was something like, there's like one of Ghislaine's friends is always blabbing to the Laura tabloids. Goldman, she's full of <laughs> shit. Although I do want to have her on the podcast, but she's full of, she, she's full of shit, baby. But go on, go on. I think it was her. I think it was her. But she said, she was like, Ghislaine has a copy of every tape that Epstein had. So everyone watch out because Ghislaine can implicate everyone. And I, you know, I'm sure that's true. I think everyone has this kind of fantasy that the two of them have like a dead man switch or something, which I, um, I don't know if I agree with that, but, or, I mean, I'd love for that to be the case, but I don't know if I agree with that being true. But I think that like, again, all of this is like predicated on the idea that she's, that there isn't something already worked out behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. it's just really hard for me to believe that this, that she was getting arrested and the feds hadn't maybe worked out some sort of situation where they already know exactly what would be said if they were going to go to trial or a deal had already been worked out. And you know what I mean? Like, I just have a really hard time believing that they just like showed up out of nowhere, boom, you're arrested, thrown Mm. in the clink and like, you know, law and order music plays and we're going to have like, you know, the search for justice. um down in the southern district where they take on the big bad guys i just like kind of i just don't believe that like a load of load of crap to me you know what's been your take on um how the press has treated this this whole thing it it goes from being like the biggest story in the history of the universe to like literally disappearing uh for almost a year it's just interesting because obviously i think your your podcast plays a huge role in just keeping the story alive but it's just been very very strange it's it's almost like the, the the press doesn't know how to handle it because on the one hand it's like the sexiest story in the history of the universe and on the other hand you know it's 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 just impossible to know exactly how to spin it so i feel like there's there's a, a a problem where they where they don't know how this is going to end up uh, looking in the end, so they don't they're not attacking it with with full force. I don't know. It's very strange to me. Like I just wondered what your take on it was from the outside watching over the course of the last year. What why is the press not diving full force into the story? Well, of course, Liz and I are not journalists. We are unlicensed private detectives. And if I was a journalist. Mm-hmm. If I if I had made some mistake in my life, no disrespect, uh, and, and ended up right. on that spiral down the drain, I would the deal with the devil. The de- if I had shaken hands with Satan himself, I would have <laughs> probably asked Bill Barr what the fuck his dad was doing, hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, 
but it's 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 you know so there has been some pretty good reporting on it actually interestingly out of i think business insider might be wrong mm-hmm. but i feel like they've done a lot of good stories on it some outlets have definitely covered it more doggedly than others and others have like I think kind of the new york times here although they they even have had some good pieces too but just the general vibe i get from a lot of it is that like well that was crazy huh <laughs> like yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. You know, like basically, I mean, if 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 you step back for a second, you kind of realize probably anybody associated with either Epstein or Ghislaine is uh, probably should never be able to forget that, right? Um, that does not happen. You know, even like Bill Gates, you know, those stories that came out about him hanging out with fucking Epstein, like after Epstein's arrest, you know, pictures together, lying about it. His One of his big lieutenants is an executor on Epstein's will. Or ex- executor, um, no, little uh, Freudian slip there. Executor's Freudian, fine too. Yeah, just yeah. regular slip there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, there's all these connections, um, and I think I think the press is is sort of shares the feeling of a lot of people where they don't really know what to do with it, and I'm not sure if they did, they would do anything. Um, but you well, know, I it's, think also, yeah, I mean, I think we would, it would, you know, we have to like remember the. You know, the, that fucking tape that came out from ABC News showing that they, you know, the higher ups at ABC killed reporting that had come out that, you know, was ready to go on Epstein's connections to the Clintons and the royal family. Right. And that was in the spring of 2015. Well, what happened in the spring of 2015? Well, Hillary Clinton announced she was running for president and a new royal baby was being born. So, like, these powerful people can threaten access to shut down stories. Now, I mean, that's the thing we try to, like, really get through on our podcast is, like, it's not even a conspiracy theory with, like, red strings. I mean, some of it is. But more so, it's all of these people that run all of these outlets, including the mainstream press are big moneyed institutions that have ties to other big moneyed institutions, including the Jeffrey Epstein and Gillian Maxwell pedophile institution, whatever, and the ring that they're running with whatever ties they have to intelligence and money and, you know, and all sorts of other things. So like, it's not just that like, man, why aren't, I I mean, I do think there is that part where it's like, how do you sell a, a story to an editor? That's like, okay, fine, but we need a, you know, and you see this with how the New York Times is changing a lot of its, you know, whatever it's doing. But, you know, it's like, okay, we need a very specific angle that appeals to very specific people that tells them the story of like, this person's bad, this person's good. And this like, you know, gives you the right kind of like superheroes to root for and the against the villains that you already know you hate. And like this story is not that cut and dry because it implicates quite literally everyone. I mean, yeah, that was stunning what happened with the ABC reporter where we Amazing. actually saw her complaining about how they killed the story. And that's just something we saw by, you know, because someone released that this video. This fucking that Project week. Veritas put it out. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. And... But like that must happen all the time on multiple oh, yeah. levels. Like, I'm sure people complain about that stuff happening or they don't even complain or it's not made explicit. You know, like Matt, you write about this a lot. You don't have to like take out a red pen and can't and write through something that someone wrote. You don't have to tell them not to cover it. It's like a self, you know, a natural selection. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely. Paying your bills. Um, so, yeah, I mean, why would you want to and end on a more literal 
direct note, we have, you know, with what happened at um, Vanity Fair, um, the editor, I can never remember his name. Uh, Graydon Carter. Graydon Carter. Graydon Carter. Yeah. Carter. What uh, did Trump call him? Sissy Graydon Carter. <laughs> he has like one of those classic Trump tweets that I can never oh, get out yeah, of my no, brain. That, 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 that was, it was, it was, it was one of, when Trump goes into his weird sort of like flamboyant style where he called Graydon yes. Carter a sissy and said the Vanity Fair party sucked. Which is, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, one thing Trump's fucking base loves, it is the Vanity Fair holiday party. Yeah. They're going crazy <laughs> at it. Yeah. Well, just to be clear on the Graydon Carter thing, that's that's because of the spy situation, right? Like Trump is mad because Graydon Carter was the editor of Spy when they were calling yeah. Trump yeah. the sh- the short-fingered Vulgarian. Remember that was oh, the thing every, every, right. every, every time they mentioned him, it was short-fingered Vulgarian Donald Trump. Uh, and so it was him and him and Kurt Anderson for years and years and years. I think Trump never, of all the people he hates in the media, I think those two are probably at the top of his list. Well, because didn't Trump famously cash the check from Spy? Like Spy, I think oh, it was yeah, Spy. Oh, yeah, they were, they were sending send... from like Satan and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah no, they would it, send, it, they would yeah. send checks for like, uh, a dollar five cents yeah. or whatever yeah. it's like yeah a dollar two dollars to all these rich people and see who cashed them which is yeah. i gotta say that is a fantastic fucking bit it was uh, and, and, and it was even funnier because if i remember they they at the names of the, the the checks the companies all had these really bizarre it was like you know pedophilia inc or or you know <laughs> sa- satan and corporate or whatever it was and so not only were you cheap but you were like cashing a check for that's why um, trump didn't want to release the tax returns right because it's <laughs> it's the it's the check for 11 cents on there that's, yeah uh, yeah, that, yeah. That's really funny so so with the epstein story what's your operating theory on what it is is it is it a massive intelligence conspiracy to blackmail powerful people? And if it is, whose is it? Is it ours or theirs? Like, uh, you know, I mean, that the thing I always thought was interesting with the Vicky Ward story was that moment where uh, she's told essentially that, uh, you know, he's he he can't be prosecuted because he belongs to intelligence or whatever yeah, it is. Right. Uh, but I, the story is just so hard to make sense on any level. With the available facts like what's the what's the theory that is the least stupid if you mm. if if you were to sit down and try to work something out that that somehow makes sense about the story well what we know for a fact yeah. basically is that epstein had every room in his house in every one of his properties wired up with video cameras and after that we sort of have to start putting the pieces together ourselves mm-hmm. without really having any direct confirmation but we can kind of assume, okay, he didn't just do that because he was afraid of someone breaking in and stealing his, um, let's say, esoteric art that he had on the walls. Um, right. Hair care products. Exactly. And we can see from, from uh, that original story about the FBI raiding his, his house in New York, they took all the DVDs of the names of young girls and, and unnamed prominent men on them. Um, we can assume that he was videotaping sexual encounters between older men and younger women. Um, what he was doing with those, I don't know, right? Like, I, I, I get the sense, and after everything I'm saying after this point is my just my opinion. This is not. This is this is. Well, that's all there is with this case right now, exactly. right? Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. But but if we use the science of historical materialism, we can see <laughs> that that 
that this is very similar in form to see what it seems like a lot of honeypot cases in the past where someone is uh, video doing something either embarrassing, often sexually embarrassing on a, uh, on a camera, a hidden camera, and then that video is used um, as blackmail, right? Right, except it's like a factory level version exactly. of that. Right, I mean, yeah. the man really, I mean, he's the, he's the Henry Ford of, uh, right. of pedophilia honeypots. Yeah. Um, now, who is he working for? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. He, he could be working for any number of people. It could be an independent operator. I don't get the sense, although I totally could be wrong. I don't know if I necessarily get the sense that he was working for one country. You could make a strong case that he was working for Israel or America or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. But then he's also blackmailing powerful figures from both. So he's right. probably not working directly high level with like the CIA or the Mossad officially. Right. So he he's. My theory is that he's working in a network that is an unofficial network of, you know, like there have been many times in the past of people in even different governments, different parts of governments in a sort of ring. And I, and mm. I don't know who's the head of that ring, who else is necessarily in that ring. Ghislaine Maxwell, you can take a guess. Yes. Um, but, but Leslie Wexner also very probably, but, but beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm really, that's why I'm so excited for Glenn's testimony. I literally am counting the days until, until mm-hmm. it happens. Um, but yeah, I, so, yeah, I think, I think that like, just to kind of build on what Brace said, I think that like the most, you know, I don't think it makes sense to say like he was a CIA employee, he worked for the CIA or he worked for Mossad or he worked for, you know, I mean, no one's saying he worked for MI6, but if someone is saying that, you know, um, just to like throw out the different ones out there, but that like, that he was an asset or a dealer for multiple, you know, organizations at any given time through, through his life. Like, you know, there's stories about him being a weapons dealer, about him being a, you know, retrieving uh, money and guns from warlords in Africa, you know, things like that. So, you know, he had a relationship with the Saudi royal family, for mm-hmm. example. He had, a, you know, obviously has um, himself and people around him have very close ties to the Israeli government, but also the CIA and the US government. So and I think like if you look at kind of the history of the CIA and various intelligence agencies and how they operate, like they're always sort of like intervening in things that are already kind of existing. Right. It's like they got guys and, and they always got eyes on the cartels or they've always got eyes on various organized crime syndicates or, Mm -hmm. you know, a democratic socialist organizations. Yeah. 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 But so they're always kind of like dipping in and out, whether or not those are like active, you know, operations that they're working on, or if it's just guys kind of as like contractors in and out using them for whatever they need at any given moment. I think it makes sense to for Epstein to have all that, all those cameras rigged up at any given time. You know, I'm sure he thought of it as just protection in some way, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't. Um, something that was like a directive from someone, it was like, okay, well, this will be used. I mean, I'm sure it was like, you know, who wouldn't, if they were running any kind of operation that he was moving money, moving guns, moving whatever else he was doing, people, um, all of those, you know, all of those industries, by the way, the CIA is very much involved in. 
uh, you know, who wouldn't want to have video of some, you know, for example, allegedly prime minister or president, you know, having sex with an underage girl that might become useful in case someone were to come after you, you know, or right. so he thought didn't seem like it was at any, you know, <laughs> yeah. the end of his life. Yeah. The thing that's so wild is, is that, is that they kind of can't release these tapes, right? Right. Because if you watch these tapes, you're literally watching child pornography. Right. Yeah, of course. And so, I, I mean, that's, that's, I, I've sort of been thinking about that lately. I'm like, well, people, you know, want the, I, I kind of just want them to release the names on the tapes. I don't actually need to see the tapes. Right. Um, but, but I, I guarantee there's just a guy at the FBI who just, his job is to play a game of Frisbee golf every day with one of the DVDs. <laughs> Into the what? Hudson. Yeah. What do you, so can you just go over, because so much of this sounds like a conspiracy theory, which is frustrating because like there are conspiracies, obviously, especially when you're talking about very powerful people and entities, but what's the stuff, like you were saying, these are the facts. What are the, what's like the, the, not to say to be charitable to to Epstein and and Maxwell and everyone involved, not to be charitable, but to be very like, to be as, um, evidence-based as possible like yeah. what are the things that we definitely know what kind of connections do we definitely know of like people on the plane this number of times etc well luckily there are two good sources for people that he knows one is a black book uh that his ex-butler stole and then actually re- <laughs> his butler i shouldn't laugh at this it's actually really fucked up his butler got more time in jail for stealing and trying to sell the black book that Epstein got in jail for being a child molester. But there's also the flight logs, right? And and so there's, you know, there's some pretty big names here. You know, it's 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 interesting. There's sort of two late eras of Jeffrey Epstein. There's like the finance bro Epstein, where you know he's hanging out with with you know, like, like Summers, um, any number of these other fucking bank crooks that used to hang out with Stephen Hoffenberg. Uh, and then after he gets arrested and he gets out, he sort of tries to reinvent himself as like a, the startup king or whatever. Um, you know, he, he gets his people to make a bunch of fake websites talking, extolling the Jeffrey Epstein Foundation, whatever. So what's the, what's the timetable for, for testimony or for, for anything actually to happen with this case? Does anyone know? I think there's some shit going on Tuesday, right? Gillian is supposed to appear in i think it's zoom court which mm-hmm. by the way this, that sucks Oof. but uh yeah zoom court where they're going to uh i think deal with the matter of bail um i assume that she will just be kept in it's not the mc what, what's the name of the jail it's in brooklyn right mcc oh it's, think, it's right? not the mcc she's in the other one yeah i don't think it's the mcc um, um, yeah, I, I actually, I haven't looked at it. I've been busy with doing other shit, but I, 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 I didn't know they had figured out which jail she was getting sent to yet. Yeah. There's like a story there. Apparently she's in there. They're keeping her in 14 day isolation because mm, of COVID, not because there. she has it, but just like, because 
that's the protocol that any new person has to be isolated for 14 days. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, people see the story and then they go, oh, she's got COVID. They're doing it again. Yeah, you know there's been I mean? insane, <laughs> insane bullshit coming out in the past. Like literally every story I've read in the past week is just like a sensationalist headline and then literally no facts or anything. Yeah. But so theoretically, we're supposed to see video evidence of Ghislaine Maxwell, which, again, she has not been spotted in the flesh for over a year. It was pre-Jeffrey's arrest, the last time a photograph was taken of her. So um, I'm pretty excited. There was a funny little, uh, like, I don't know, it's like in some society rag, Upper East Side Society, like bullshit paper, where they were like, you know, talking to the Upper East Side residents about Ghislaine getting arrested and like some catty old bitch was like, we're all just waiting to see if she got fat. Which I thought was so funny. <laughs> that's the important thing here, right? Yeah. By the way, Galen has so an eating like disorder. All these... She's not fat. Right. She's not right. going right. to get fat. She could, yeah, unless she transitions from her other eating disorder to like overeating. Yeah, it could happen. Mm -hmm. Make it up a little, you know. You never know. Yeah. If you go, my thing is, if you go to jail, you might as well get fat. I never understand these guys who go to jail and get buff. If you're fat, a who cares? You're not getting laid anyways. B, you make yourself less of a target. I go into jail. I see a big fucking yoke dude. I'm like, that guy is a warrior. And if I'm a warrior, I must battle him. If I see like a fucking 350 pound slob who's like begging people for a Snickers, I'm like, this guy's harmless. I'll protect him. True. Yeah. Yeah. Instant, 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 like uh, paternal instincts are triggered, right? Exactly. That's an interesting way to think about it. I want to know if uh, if you have some more time, uh, want to know how you guys started the podcast and if you imagined when you started it that you would have Maria Farmer on it as a guest. Um, mm. Well, to answer the second question first, uh, no, absolutely in no way did I think or I don't think either of us ever thought that we would be speaking to Maria Farmer, who just for people who don't know, is a victim of Jeffrey Epstein's. We had her on the podcast for quite a long interview. And I mean, she's just a remarkable woman and I couldn't believe how forthcoming she was about her story. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was um, yeah, that was difficult on a lot of levels that she's just really, really incredible. Um, but um, we started the podcast, I mean, it's almost been a year now because mm -hmm. it was like right when Jeffrey got arrested. I don't know what we were doing. We were like texting back and forth. Brace and I have been friends for a very long time. We were like texting back and forth like, dude, this is crazy. What if we did a podcast about it? <laughs> I think that's how it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like uh, on a whim. I, we, I, our producer um, has a bunch of recording stuff and he had talked to me about doing a podcast a long time ago. And I was like, fuck, we can do it about this. It's a good um, idea. But we, yeah, I mean, it's, it was kind of nice. Like we basically started from scratch because neither of us really know what we're doing podcast wise, um, which we still get in there. Yeah, to be clear, like, <laughs> yeah, still do not. Uh, but, um, but we're like it's anything cool. otherwise. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because you actually, I mean, you guys are obviously a very funny podcast and very funny people, but it's, it's obviously serious content and yeah. you don't make light of it. And like evidence of that is the fact that you actually were a place that had an, in, you know, that you interviewed Maria Farmer, one of the yeah. survivors who's who's also whose sister was. Uh, yeah, a victim as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, we try to like we try to not like tell jokes about what he did, but uh, if we're like being funny, it's like making fun of Epstein rather than right. like what victim, he did. Obviously. If that makes sense, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think too that sometimes you know, especially as we were like, especially early on when we were like digging into the facts of the case and like really getting into the like you know some of the testimony and stuff that's up there like you know i mean i'll just be like perfectly frank like it was really hard for me to read that stuff and like mm. it's really difficult ingesting this and then trying to figure out how to talk about it and sometimes a way to do that is through humor i mean not yeah. and again not to say that we're making light of what's happening, but like sometimes when things are that overwhelming and that um, dispiriting, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like really looking at some really, really dark stuff in my opinion. And particularly the, cause you can't divorce it from the cover up at like very, very, very high levels, which gets into a kind of an even darker, yeah. darker story, which we're, we are, you know, trying to tell. And I think that, you know, taking a light hand with some of it and trying to find places where you can kind of like get some breathing room. It's like really important, but I don't think that like, I mean, you know, even through all that, I think that, um, I mean, not to whatever, but you know, I think both Brace and I have like very, very fierce commitments to justice and like mm. that shines through with the podcast and like even through, you know, our sense of humor and, you know, whatever layers of irony we want to throw on things or whatever crass jokes we want to make that like, we are very earnest people and we wouldn't be discussing this if it weren't very important to us. I saw, I saw the uh, Netflix documentary. Oh yeah. And mm -hmm. it was just like listening to the stories of the young women and girls who were groomed was just like, I mean, one of them yeah. who's, you know, I think her father and stepmother had killed her stepbrother like in front of her. I mean, it's just like so gut wrenching the types of people that were preyed on and groomed and yeah. you know, what happened to them afterwards. Um, yeah, I had to like pause that. We reviewed the documentary on the show and I, I had to like pause that and like go for a walk and come back to it yeah. because especially when you're again especially when you're like immersed in this material it's like I keep saying or I've said this about a couple of things but it's like it's I'm always I'm shocked by how I can continue to be shocked while not surprised yeah. you know it's like these right. facts come out and it's like none of this is surprising and yet it's so um like uh I don't know physically and psychically shocking some of the mm -hmm. details, you know, and like you say, the, the profile of these girls, I mean, you see it, it's like these, a lot of these girls are, you know, destitute are, you know, in, from broken families are, you know, desperate. I mean, I, you know, I, I think I told this to Brace and it was like, maybe I, I didn't mean this or I don't know. There's something like very universalizing that maybe Katie, you understand, like, hearing a young girl say that like, oh, I had never heard a man say that I was special or pretty. And it's like a 15 yeah. year old girl. I mean, that to me, I was like, fuck, like this shit, like just, you know, gets at you. And you, you, it's like, yeah. I know that. And of course I was never in that situation. I've never been in that situation, but I think that a lot of young women can hear those stories and there's a universal experience there. It's really upsetting. Yeah. 
for sure. Well, we, we should uh, we should probably have you back after we fi- if, uh, if she ever testifies, and we, yeah. should, we should take oh bets God, on God uh, on uh, on who she serves up. I hope she makes it. Me too. Uh, Me too. I know. I hope this horrible person doesn't die. I know. know. We said this with Jeffrey. We said this with Jeffrey when he got arrested and we were like, everyone needs to throw like a cosmic like bomb around these people. Protection. protection. Ghislaine Maxwell must be protected at all costs, which sounds like the worst fucking thing you could say ever. But like also, no, she needs to be protected at all costs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm expecting something really bizarre though, like like you know she you know she fell out of a blimp during you know yeah. exercise time in the yard or something you know what i mean like it's gonna be something that like, actually pulls off a shoe bomb right yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like like something that's insultingly unbelievable even by the by- standards of this case you know who knew a piano <laughs> fell on her yeah. right yeah. yes that would be great yeah piano, you know what piano, it's piano. Uh, we really yeah. got to reform the prison system we can't have them making anvils anymore right yeah, yes no anvils. more anv- anvils and pianos but uh yeah. all right well <laughs> thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it thanks for having and us. uh we'll have to check in with you again after if if we actually ever see court testimony thanks for having thank us. you So that was interesting. Yeah, really interesting, right? I, I, you know what, I, I didn't admit this to them, but I intentionally don't follow that story. Why? Because I, because I can't make any sense out of it. I know I'm never going to find out the stuff that I want to know. So it, it's like. Oh, I thought you were going to say something really, really menschy. Like it's just too disturbing. No, like the poison ivy I currently have, it's an itch I can't scratch. Right? I, it, it's. But no, it, okay, it is. It's a very, it's a deeply disturbing story. Uh, I, I just have very, very little faith in the idea that we're ever going to get any it's answers very, to anything. It's very cute to hear you ask questions about it because it's like you're such a like wise. You're so aware of like you're so critical of the powers that be. But it's like you're actually the way you ask the questions. It's like. I wonder why the media isn't reporting on it more. Well, no. I mean, I think that's a good question. I don't because, mean that in a condescending way. Um, well, look, even if you take the most um, paranoid and negative view of right. the commercial news media, they still can't resist a, yeah. a sexy story. Like, it was totally not in the interests of the powers to be to give Donald Trump airtime in 2016 and they all did right, because did he was right right because it was You're great right. for ratings and i what i what i sensed from colleagues in, in in the business about about this epstein story is it's a little bit of like the enormity of it is intimidating right i think because most most journalists would rather come to a story and just kind of dip in and dip out and you know i'll take a piece of it and cover it for a while but you can't do that with this it's this massive sprawling thing it's a huge commitment to and you have to dedicate your life to it the way Liz and Brace do uh, in order to really make sense of it uh, and uh, I don't think anybody wants to do that I'm, I don't know I'm guessing and I mean again we heard the we heard that woman on ABC say something that probably happens all the time what I bet happens much more often is somebody goes to pitch a story on this and says, yeah, great. Can you just kind of tinker with the pitch on that a little bit? 
and you know, let's, let's, let's work on it. <laughs> and, you know, and then months and months later, you've been assigned to four more stories in the meantime, and then eventually you just get tired of it's, it's, it's probably almost never like if you do this, yeah, if you do this story, your, your career is going to be over. Right. I don't, it usually doesn't work that way. You just kind of get, it's like people who were trying to do the Iraq story in 2003 and 2004 right. about WMDs. They, they would, you know, reporters would be told things like, yeah, can you just kind of like work on that a little bit more and, you know, send it back to me. I, right. I'm guessing that's what, right, what, right. It, what it is more often. Uh, I have some news for you guys. Uh, so on the current, as in today, Apple charts for the news category, which is like the politics, the one that we're in, Right now we're at 53, and just to give you some context and some, and some vindication, the Axe Files, currently, 93. Ha! Nice. Oh my god, that's so great. Because of you, because of listeners like you, we are now ahead of the Axe Files. And the Motley Fool podcast, and last word with Lawrence O'Donnell. So uh, I guess the the homework assignment for our, our listeners is uh, and viewers is just sort of mentally focusing on beating uh, Savage Nation, and and who else? Who was the other, who was the other malefactor? We gotta beat, love it or leave it. Love it or leave it. Oh, Ruben. Yeah, Ruben. Yeah. Ruben, love it or leave it. And then there were who was it? Who was Two to our left, Vox. Yes, Vox. Vox. Yeah. We are coming. We're coming for you. Although the gauntlet has been thrown down, so if they continue to beat us, that's going to be pretty embarrassing. Let's uh, let let's be humble about this, uh, but let's have expectations yeah. at the same time. And so, th- thank you to everybody who uh, vaulted us ahead of the Axe Files, <laughs> which <laughs> which I don't know how I feel about that. Is that is that a, is that really an accomplishment? I guess it is, right? I it's mean, good. It it's is. better than the alternative, it's more right? Like it lets us wake up in the morning, and you know what I mean, right? Yeah. We can, yeah. we can, we can be. It's not so much that I feel cocky; it's that I feel like we've been saved from shame. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's shame reduction. Shame. Shame reduction. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, all right. So th- thanks for uh, uh, preventing us from feeling worse than we would have otherwise, right? That's, I guess that's where we are. And thanks for listening and or watching. Subscribe, like, share, rate, review. All those things. And uh, we'll see you next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.